Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Wendy Dillard here. Today is Wednesday, May the 16th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And I am pleased to say that no, we were not struck by lightning yesterday. <laughs> it Yay! may have seemed it because we did lose power as we got about a quarter of the way into the, not even that, 10 minutes into the podcast. Um, we had a, uh, in fact, we were talking about it. We had uh, tornado warnings going on. And uh, so once I lost power, I realized, well, that's not going to work too well because we can't broadcast anything without the power. <laughs> and meanwhile, you're trying valiantly to keep going with the podcast and there's nobody who can hear you. And it's just, oh, wow, it was quite the event. But, uh, you know, hey, you, you did very well under the circumstances considering you had no control over any of it. So that was good. <laughs> well, and what they don't know is I continued even though – Nobody else heard me. I just kept going. <laughs> the true pro that you are, I have to say. That was fantastic. But what I did learn, as I did mention to you just a few moments ago, is I learned I don't like doing this by myself. <laughs> I really could feel the deadness on the other side and nobody there. And there's certain parts where I'll say something and I realize I have an expectation for you to laugh or to make a comment or something. And I'm like, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't do his part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know what it's like to do a solo podcast. It's, it is not easy. I mean, I, I was just mm-hmm. telling you, uh, back when we were doing this live on PRN, we used to do it as a live weekly show. And then they changed their thing around so that we had to do it pre-recorded. But when it was live, there was one time when one of my co-hosts couldn't show up. And all of a sudden, with like 10, 15 seconds to go, I realized I had to do it solo for 60 minutes. And I was like, ah! <laughs> well, and I, I, I think if you know you're going to do it solo for 60 minutes, you mentally prepare differently. Yeah. Well, preferably without, you know, 10 minutes of preparation, 10 seconds of preparation time. You want a little bit more yeah. than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I know I can talk endlessly on certain subjects. <laughs> but, if, you know, if I'm not given any notice that that's what's going to happen, I just wasn't mentally prepared for that. <laughs> You know what the really strange thing too was when we lost the power. There was no lightning strike. I made it. I made a joke about lightning. There was no lightning strike. I mean, I was I was literally looking out the window at the moment that I was talking, and and the power went, and there was nothing going on. <laughs> so I'm not even sure why the power went. To be perfectly honest, I don't know. You know, electricity, at least in my world, is a very mysterious thing. In that, I don't really understand how tr- electricity works completely. Well totally, even beyond completely. I vaguely understand how electricity works. (laughs) Um, But I do understand that everything is electrical. Mm -hmm. I, you know, when I say everything, I mean, like our, our, all of our devices, you know, are electronically dependent. Our bodies are electronical. They are. I am really saying weird words. They're electric. You know, we have electric conduits going on in our body all the time. And, um, you know, law of, attri- law of attraction, I believe, works with electricity because there's, I think that's part of the magnetic component. So, um, I kind of like the, the law I, of electricity. I, that was a nice, uh, you know, slip of the tongue. You like that? I like <laughs> that one. That was good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, think about when we use our computers and all of a sudden something that works all the time doesn't work. You reboot and boom, it's back in business. You know, I'm thinking that has something to do with the electrical impulses that run through all the lines that we're not looking at and mm. visibly seeing. So um, a lot of our world is dependent upon electricity. So it kind of doesn't surprise me that you didn't hear, hear or see lightning. Um, and yet still the power went out. Goodbye, power. Hello, break. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it's back. And, you know, it's yesterday um, for me, I... I when we were on the show, but nobody has heard it, mm. I was talking about how I had had a couple hours in the day that were just kind of really rough for me. And I was having a hard time moving mm. through it and, you know, flipping over to a, a softer, gentler, happier side. And um, as the day progressed, it's like, because you had texted me and said, oh, the power came back on. Do you want to get back on the line? And I said, no, let's skip the show for the day. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, Walt. I didn't want to do the show. I could tell, which is unusual. I didn't want to be happy. I didn't want to you know, put on a smiley face for anybody. I just wanted to, mm, wallow might be too strong a word, but just hang out in what I was feeling. 
And like I have mentioned before on other shows, when something like that happens, because I do have the uh, point of view that I create my reality, I know I can also uncreate whatever's going on. Mm -hmm. I know that if I really, really wanted to get into a happy place, I could do it. But I kind of felt mm, drawn. Maybe that's the right word. I kind of felt drawn to stay in the unpleasantness of what I was feeling. Hmm. And it, it lasted all the way up until I went to bed last night. I mean, it was a, for me, a very long day of unpleasantness. Um, and it was increasing as the day went on. And I noticed that there was in, this intensity inside of me. And I w as the day went on, I started to get a sense that this was very purposeful that there was meaning behind it. I wasn't just letting myself wallow in unhappiness just for the sake of wallowing in unhappiness. That's not my thing. Um, by this morning, I woke up and it was as, I mean, literally, it was as though yesterday didn't exist because I didn't feel that way at all. I felt like I was back in my normal body and in my normal emotions. Um, and so I don't, I'm not exactly 100% sure about what all took place yesterday, but I feel like I do have a definite feeling that it was significant for me because I have a new sense of resolution about what was causing the distress. And I have a sense of never again. I will never put up with this again, but I'm the one who created it a long time ago. And so it's like I have new insight. Like when these circumstances show up for me, I'm going to treat them differently. I'm going to see them differently. I'm going to understand them differently. I understand the consequences now on the other side of making certain decisions. And it's like, oh, yeah, we're never going to do that again. And so I'm grateful that I stayed in the unpleasantness yesterday because the longer it went on, the more uncomfortable it was. And I think it led to this sense of, oh, no, never again. Well, then I have to ask but, a question. The question is, yeah. I mean, is it possible that the law of attraction was delivering more of what you'd asked for and using the storm as an excuse. Maybe that oh. the power outage was contributing to meet what you'd been asking LOA for. Yeah. And I, I honestly think the power outage was just a small teeny piece of it. Um, because one of the things that I have really been focusing on, because I'm really curious about this, I heard Abraham say, several times now that there are times that your inner being will purposely guide you through unpleasant experiences because it's the path of least resistance, which means it's the easiest, quickest way for you to get to something that you're desiring. And one of the things I had been desiring is to have better boundaries in certain areas of my life. And so I was dragged through the muck and the mire yesterday of feeling the unpleasantness of not having appropriate boundaries in this one area of my life. And so it would not at all surprise me if that was not purposely orchestrated just for me, taking me through something really uncomfortable. And the reason why I didn't feel the need to like get out of it is because it was necessary for me. It was required for me to get to where I really want to go in the easiest, fastest, short, short period of time. Well, I'm glad we could accommodate you then. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I said, it wasn't, I don't believe it was just because the power went out because I was already in a not great place before that. No, no, I, I just that. think yeah. that the power going out, I think I probably contributed to it. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, not, not directly, indirectly. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Say that again. I was just saying it didn't necessarily contribute directly, but indirectly through you know the, the universal manager saying, "Okay, here's the quickest way to get Wendy where she needs to go." We're first. We're going to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you know you were talking about um, uh, learning to be more specific when asking for certain weather conditions to right, occur. Right. Yeah. You want to add that piece in here? Oh, let's see. What was I saying? Oh, I know. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, after the power went out, even before the power went out, I was talking about how 
you know, and, and you were you were kind of cueing me on this that I have a number of stories where I have influenced the weather successfully, including some pretty serious storm situations. And so I was since the the show was stopped, I figured, okay, well, we've got this you know tornado warning going on. Why don't I just apply my skills and you know, we'll we'll make sure that anything that's going on is going to bypass entirely. And it did. It went south of us. What I forgot to do was to be more specific and say, oh, and by the way, leave the power on. <laughs> which to me is like it's so funny because when i was getting married um i we were getting married near the end of may and in texas the end of may usually starts to get pretty warm and pretty humid Mm -hmm. which anybody who's listened to the show for any length of time knows that i don't like the heat and humidity almost like just kills me i hate humidity Mm mm-hmm so I understood how to work with, with weather, and I know the longer period of time you have to put in your order, if you will, mm, yep. <laughs> the greater mm. chance it can be created. Right. Mm-hmm. So I started planning you know, several months in advance, because I knew in advance when I was getting married, that we would have unseasonably cool weather, where it would be in the low 70s, Ooh. where the sky would be beautifully blue with the giant famous in Texas, puffy white cotton-like clouds with a light breeze because we were getting married in someone's home and then we were going to have their balcony or not their their patio would be like an extension of where we would eat. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted people to feel really comfortable outside eating instead of having sweat pour off into their plate. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was trying to be very thoughtful. That was, And I, I just say. wanted the, the entire day leading uh, like that morning, you know, leading up to the wedding and then the whole day, you know, until everybody left, I I didn't care what happened after that, but it was like during that time period, I wanted the weather to be about as pleasant as it could be in Texas. And so the weather had started getting warm and I was, but I was not faint of heart. I'm like, nope, it's going to turn around. It's going to have an unseasonably cool day because Texas, tends to have roller coaster weather anywhere where it goes up and down and up and down. Well, here's where I didn't know about this or didn't think it through is Friday night was our rehearsal dinner. And I had um, a dear friend of mine flying in from out of town and her husband. And so they were supposed to come in Friday night in time for the rehearsal dinner. And then of course we'd have the wedding the next day. Well, late in the day on Friday, the weather started getting really ugly and the wind was whipping up and the temperature was starting to drop, which I'm like, oh, yay. But the weather got so bad that we did go into tornado warnings. We had torrential rains that were like unreal. Everybody getting to our rehearsal dinner was drenched practically by oh, the time they got there because just going from the car into the house was like massive rain. And the airports in the area shut down and my friends <laughs> from out of town could not come oh, in. They couldn't no. even get there for the wedding Ugh. because the airport, the planes were all being rerouted the next morning. So even though I got the wonderful temperatures that I asked for on my Saturday, I didn't think about what it was going, what it would take to get that mm, yeah. in order to protect the Friday. <laughs> the moral of the story is: be very careful what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and honestly, I only focused on Saturday weather. I, it never even dawned on me to focus, focus on Friday weather. Mm, yeah. Yep. Had I, I mean, if I were to ever plan for something like this again, I would plan both days mm-hmm. <laughs> and think through it very, very differently. But I remember everybody at the wedding saying, oh, my God, this is so unseasonable. <laughs> that was the word they were using. I mean, we rarely experience a cool, breezy day like this in May. This is fabulous. Your wedding couldn't have been, you know, planned for a more perfect weather day. And I'm like, no, it was the weather that was planned for this day. But that's yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it, it is very interesting when you have a really, you know, um, important focus, important intention, you know, to ask for the specifics around it. Because law of attraction is just, it's just like a program. You know, I put in this weather on this day, and I went, okay, fine, and it delivered. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I just didn't ask for any other parameters. So, and now we know if the weather is not doing great, we want to specifically say, and we want the power to stay on so that the, the show can go That's smooth right. without any interruption. <laughs> <laughs> and well, when you talked about your wedding too, and how, how you had influenced the weather, I hadn't thought about this since our wedding, but when Louise and I got married, I did influence the weather. I'd forgotten that I'd even done it um, because we got married at the end of September, which in New England is not exactly balmy temperatures. Typically, you're talking 50s, maybe 60, and we were getting married outside. So we needed to have a nice, comfortable day, one of my favorite kinds, the kind that I usually describe, you know, the the blue sky, the puffy clouds, temps in, you know, around 70, maybe a little bit higher, that kind of thing. And that's exactly what I envisioned, and that's exactly what we got. So nice. in that case, I actually did cover it right. I, I think just learning this little technique I, I learned of, of envisioning the, the scene the way I want it to be in all details, not just temperature, but you know the, the sky, the clouds, the greenness, everything else, you know, the whole package, that's served me well. Because most often, whenever I've wanted to influence the weather, it's been for the good using that method. So there's something to be said for it. Very nice. Yeah. Well, and so now the weather, of course, was part of yesterday. Yes. <laughs> and I want to go back a little bit to my story about how sure. I was kind of dragged, if you will. Right. Well, dragged is probably not the right word. I willingly let myself go through unpleasantness. I was very present. I paid attention to how I was feeling, what I was feeling. And I think that's what took me through some new awareness of, you know what, I'm never going to put myself through this again. Not the unpleasantness of yesterday, but how I landed there to begin with. It's something that's been in the making for gazillions of years in my life. Um, but, you know, you learn what you learn when you learn it. And it's it's something that it's an area of my life I've been working on for quite a while. I've had incredible shifts and things are so much better. But I feel like this is like the tail end that was still um, still in motion. And I'm like, okay, got it. We're not doing that again. I see what it looks like, you know, because like, I know I've had clients who have said this to me, and you've probably experienced it as well as almost everyone listening, where you get yourself into a predicament, and you go, how did I get here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't remember. And there really are triggers and clues that you made micro decisions to get to where you landed. But sometimes we're so unaware of all of those micro decisions. We don't even know. We we probably do it again unless you know what those micro decisions are. Well, I've even noticed there have been times where, like you say, I couldn't remember remember how I got here, but I would become aware of the fact that there was a gap, there was a missing piece of memory, so to speak, and that in mm. some way I was blocking myself from knowing that thing, whatever that thing was, and that well, was and a little you, bit annoying. If you want to, yeah, and if you want to not repeat it. You kind of have to know when did you make the first decision that led you down the road to land yeah, there, which isn't always a, easy that, to figure out. Yeah, and not that I got every one of those pieces yesterday, but I feel like I got enough of them that um, I think if something like this ever sh decided to show up in my world again as a possibility, I could look at it and go, "I'm saying no to this," instead of saying yes. Now, what so, I have learned, was, I, what I have learned is that. If I do notice one of those gaps that I was mentioning, where I can tell there's something missing and I don't know what it is, I, what I can do is I can stop, you know, just like stop in time and space for a moment, just pause, just pause the conversation, pause the exploration, ask what that thing was. And if I can't remember it, then ask the person who I'm talking with to repeat what they just said to me in the last 10 seconds to see if it, it can mm. cue it. And often it will cue it for me. They'll say it, and maybe they'll say something about it, about what they said, and then they'll fill in another detail, and all of a sudden, boom, everything gets filled in. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Well, you know, Abraham sometimes talks about one of the ways that you can um, start to recognize um, what's going on as to how law of attraction created something is in what they call your post-manifestational awareness. Okay. Which means after something's already manifested in a way you don't like <laughs> or in a way you do like, you know, now that it's already happened, now see if you can go backwards and figure out what led to it. Try to figure out um, how the elephant ended up in the living room. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this morning, um, one of the one of the things that was unpleasant yesterday, um, I had accidentally deleted my printer from my work laptop, and when I went to reinstall it, I kind of remembered it's an easy, it's a really easy install, but because of all the firewalls and and security go, that goes on with my laptop from work. Um, I can't just do it on my own. I have to get help desk involved. And I was like, so not in the mood <laughs> for that because almost every time I call help desk, it's an hour. Ah. As I'm watching them, you know, control my desktop and they go here and there and whatever. And I'm like, Oh, so yesterday I told myself it was already a bad enough day. Just don't worry about the printing <laughs> and like deal with that later. Don't do that today. So I was wise enough to do that. So Today, first thing, it was on my mind, and I thought, okay, I'm going to jump on that early in the day when I feel like I, like I have an hour available. And I started getting into some things, and I'm responding to emails, and I'm doing some spreadsheets, and I had it in the back of my mind, like, I thought I was going to jump on this. And I kind of got, it's okay, you know, kind of like chill. So I kept doing my thing, kept doing my thing. Every now and then I check in with my inner being, like, hey, can I call help desk? And I'm like, just chill, not yet. And then all of a sudden, it was around 11 o'clock my time, or maybe it was 10, who knows what time it was, and I just kind of got, go ahead and call now. And I was sensing, this doesn't have to be hard, it doesn't have to take a long time, um, nice. just call, ask for what you want. Yep. Well, our help desk is in India, and even though they're very capable, um, sometimes uh, whoever I'm speaking with has such a thick accent it's frustrating to me when I have to ask them to repeat themselves three times oh, yeah. to understand what they're saying. Yeah, they say something and, and, you're, and time, you're just sitting there and you're saying, okay, process that. What did those sounds sound like? Did exactly. they sound like words? <laughs> so I was so pleasantly surprised because this man answers the phone. And yes, he's from India, but he spoke with such beautiful articulation. Ah. I had zero trouble understanding him. Nice. And I'm like, Oh, this is nice. Yeah. So I told him what I wanted and he said, I'll be happy to help you. I'm sure I'll be able to accomplish this for you. You know, can you give me control of your computer? And I did. And he starts doing blah, blah, blah. And then I said, oh, do you need me to go find the IP address? I can go get that. And he said, if you would, please. So while he was still doing something, I was going to get the IP address. And then I typed it in. And then probably within five minutes after that, he's like, all right, let's do a test print. And I said, well, this is where when you're on this screen, it doesn't work. And I'll, because yesterday it didn't work for me like five times. Right. And, and all of a sudden I hear my printer going, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, it's printing. <laughs> and then Very he said, nice. let's try another one. And it printed. And I went, it works. And he said, well, is there anything else I can do for you? And I'm like, no, that was fabulous. Thank you so much. So, my printer got working. Well, it's not like you all care about that. But what's important... <laughs> well, it was important to you. One, well, but he, yes, and the post-manifestational awareness is what came into play for me. Mm -hmm. I paid attention to, I just manifested something that went so smoothly. I got a person who normally speaks in an accent to speak... The one that came to me, the one who answered my call, spoke beautifully where I could understand him, where there was no frustration. He was very uh, knowledgeable because I've had some help desk people that don't really know and they just kind of hunt and peck and that's why it takes an hour. But he knew exactly where to go. He streamlined it so quickly. And I'd say I was maybe on that call a total of 10 minutes. Excellent. And I've never had a printer with my help desk installed that fast. And I sat there in amazement and I went, oh, this is evidence that my energy is in a completely different place today than it was yesterday. Yeah. Because this is something that in the past I've had quite experience, I've experienced things going really uncomfortably. And this was like a breeze. And I went, oh, so the post-manifestational evidence let me know because of what I experienced, it let me know where my vibration was. Mm, that's true. And it let me know that my vibration was back in its normal high place. And the thoughts that I was thinking were back in their normal place, which is I wasn't just ramrodding. Okay. I have to make this call and have to make it now. 
I was sensitive to my guidance, which was every time I think about it, I'd get not now, just chill. You know, and every time I checked in, it was the same thing. Not now, just chill. And then one time I said, how about now? And I got, yeah, go ahead and do it now. And it was so light. It was, it had such a level of ease that it was like, wow, this is cool. And it's not like I've never experienced this before. No, no. But I, I felt as though this was being pointed out to me because it's part of, I think, the curiosities that I've had of how does all this stuff work? Because now that I'm talking with more clients, I'm listening to their stories and I'm also thinking about how my own stuff works. And I think there's all sorts of different circumstances by which we manifest things. I mean, if it was just all straightforward, do step one, step two, step three, like Abraham gives us his steps, we'd all be manifesting everything we ever wanted. But all the time, but there seemed to be, uh, distinctions and circumstances and different ways of uh, focusing our energy that cause the manifestation to occur or not to occur in very different ways. And I'm wanting to really kind of dial that in and find out, can I figure out what all those different things are? And we'll see. That's what I'm kind of, I think I'm kind of working on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly with human beings and the fact that we humans are really good at creating resistances, often in ways we don't even have a clue we're doing it, it's actually going to be pretty rare when it's just a straight step one, step two, step three, we're done. Because we have all these little things that we get in the way with. But yeah, if you can find a way to streamline that each time, if you can find kind of like the rules of the game to navigating that that uh, web of, of uh, resistances we set up, that's a that's going to be a pretty powerful thing. And that that really is. I think I've always wanted to understand it in that way because I'm a very linear thinker and I'm also a process improvement expert. So I've been known in business scenarios to take an existing process, see the inefficiencies and then streamline it so that you pretty much can get the same result every time. And you know, I'm like I would really like to do that with law of attraction. And if I have the desire to do it, that tells me that the law of attraction has the wherewithal to deliver that to me. Well, it sounds like it's already being delivered. It is being delivered, yes. So I'm in process, and that's kind of what I'm sharing is some of these little things. They may feel disjointed to some, but to me, it's like they're all part of the grand jigsaw puzzle mm. of, of delivering this answer to me. So. Well, we found one more jigsaw my... piece. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> well, my Project X is giving me experience with how how things are manifesting. My Project B for body is doing the same. Um, and then just the, the everyday things of life. Like today, I would just call it an everyday thing, you know? And it's like, hmm, I'm starting to pull all these together. They're starting to put a really nice picture together for me. Because I like... When I can say, if I do this, I get this result. If I do this, but I add this other thing, I'm going to get this other result. And of course, of like, I, I, I'd like to see a giant flow chart of how <laughs> to manifest. <laughs> and, and of course, it wasn't a completely ordinary day because today you broke the Wendy record for printer installation. <laughs> well... I think it is an ordinary day, but I got extraordinary results. There you that. go. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, some it's like I've been witnessing different people in my life, whether clients or friends or family. You know, some people get results like, boom, lightning fast. And others, it's just it's like pulling teeth. And the person thinks they're doing all the right stuff. And I'm scratching my head going, well, it seems like it's all the right stuff. What's missing? What are we not seeing? What's not part of this equation? What are they not telling me? Because they don't yeah. even know to tell me. Well, yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. So, anyway. Very good. Very, very good. Uh, yeah. I love being curious. And I think anybody who plays with Law of Attraction, the more curious you are about how it works, um, I really think the better answers 
you not only receive on that, but how it helps with all manifestation that you want to do personally. Oh, yeah. The understanding increases dramatically when you have that level of curiosity. And, yeah, curiosity is a really important factor. It is. I agree. I've had people laugh at me. I've, David, David Barkey laughs at me. He, his response is, it just works. Just do it. And my response is, no, I want to know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in the same place with you. I'm like, no, I'm a curious kid. It's kind of like, you know, that uh, they say three-year-olds, you know, are like, well, why does this work? And why does it happen yeah, this right. way? And why, why, why? Well, I don't think I ever left the three-year-old stage. <laughs> my body may have gotten taller. Um, but I'm still saying, why, why, why? <laughs> so anyway, today here in daycare, we're going to be looking more at the law of attraction, <laughs> the basics of the teachings of Abraham. <laughs> hey, law of attraction works for kids in daycare. It does. Well, you know. It's all good. <laughs> we we so, are <laughs> we are in section so, four. Hey, part today four. I want you to read this, because I read this ch this part of the chapter yesterday. <laughs> Even if nobody heard it, right? Okay. Even though no one heard it but me. And you know what? I was so thinking about where is Walt? What's going on? Am I going to have to do this by myself? Is the podcast still going? Is it not going? Does anybody hear me? I have no idea. I have no idea what I read. The well, words then... were coming out of my mouth, but everything I just said is what was going on in my head. So I was slightly distracted. <laughs> Well, in that case, we won't make you read again today because it, it would probably send you into depression, and we want to avoid that. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're in part four, and we're on a subsection entitled Life Experiences, Not Words, to Bring About Our Knowing. And I'm not even sure we need to read this because you just d did a beautiful job of explaining through your own experience how your life experience brought about your knowing. So this Alrighty. may be superfluous, but let's see what it says anyway. It says... We are teachers, and in all of our experiences of teaching, we have learned this most important fact. Words do not teach. It is life experience that brings you your knowing. And so we encourage you to reflect into your own life experience to remember those things that you have experienced before and to begin watching from this point forward for the absolute correlation between the words that you are reading here in this book and the life experience that you are living. And so when you begin to notice that you are getting what you are thinking about, then, and only then, will you want to pay attention to, in fact, to deliberately control, your thoughts. Controlling your thoughts will become easier when you make the decision that you will do it. You think about things you do not want, mostly because you have not understood how detrimental it is to your experience. For those of you who do not want those negative experiences, and for those of you who do want those positive experiences, once you have recognized that thinking of what you do not want only attracts more of what you do not want into your experience, controlling your thoughts will not be a difficult thing because you desire to do because your desire to do so will be very strong. Now, I have to say, that wasn't the best worded paragraph they've ever put together. Not really. <laughs> no. Well, so I don't feel so bad that yesterday a little bit of distraction really made me go, huh? Because now we're at the end and I'm like, huh? <laughs> it, 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 it is not only a run-on sentence for that last sentence. That It's a run-on <laughs> sentence that goes on for a full six and a half lines and has yes. two sets of italics <laughs> in it. But it isn't even a well-formulated run-on sentence. <laughs> But, you know, the, the basics I know of this, this subject is that words do not teach and that it's life experience that does teach. You know, that, that must be and what that last sentence was about. The words were doing a terrible job of teaching, so you better go to the life experience. <laughs> There's nothing left. <laughs> well, and, you know, and this is one of, like, really one of my favorite things to, to contemplate is how, um, I mean, I have put myself as an audience member, whether I'm listening to an audio or I'm going to a seminar or I'm listening at work to a conference call or, you know, a podcast like this, I've been a listener to people's words for years and years and years. I mean, listening to a TED Talk, um, you know, listening to anything on YouTube, it's like we're hearing words all the time, mm -hmm. you know, listening to the news. It's hearing words, listening to a parent, having dinner conversation, um, just talking things about with somebody at the water cooler. It's like we're, we, we use our words continually to convey ideas and stories. 
However, most of those words either get put on our mental shelf or we at some point within that like minutes, seconds, or by the end of that day, we determine that whatever we heard really doesn't have a whole lot of uh, relativity for us, you know, and so we it gets tossed in the circular, you know, trash can. So we listen to stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. But when do we really learn? We learn when we've had a life experience. We learn when we live something, some circumstance, and all of a sudden, an idea that's been on our mental shelf pops out right in the midst of having this experience, and you go, oh, that's what that means. And that's when you learn. this. It's like all of a sudden, the stuff that some brilliant guru had spoke to you, you kind of went, yeah, it sounds good, but it wasn't a living truth yet. It a was only on truth. the mental shelf. That's an interesting phrase, a living truth. I just made that up. <laughs> so we'll add it but to it the lexicon. Become, <laughs> well, it becomes living truth when you live it, and then you can own it. True. Yep. But up until then, they're just words, you know, and I've been, whether we call it guilty or just a proponent of this, I have regurgitated other people's really wise perspectives. But it didn't mean that I lived it yet. It didn't mean I owned that truth. It sure. meant that from a mental place, I thought, yeah, that's really smart. So I'll say that to other people and go, well, you know, so-and-so says this. Mm-hmm. That sounds good, huh? Yeah. And we'll all go, yeah, that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't mean we've learned it. It doesn't mean we've really owned that piece of information. I'm not so, even sure how long it takes with- to learn it either. I mean, because... We, you can you could even try practicing something and still not get it right until you've tried it like you know ten fifteen times and then you finally really get it right. It, it, maybe that constitutes learning it. Is that actually when you've learned it? I don't even know if getting it right. I guess it depends on the context. I'm but, not sure either. Um, yeah. I mean, what's coming to mind right now is I remember a couple years ago I was um, listening to a Tony Robbins series of audios. And it was a condensed version of, of a program I had done previously where I did it live. So I really did know the material already. But he's somebody that from time to time, I love to go back and listen to his stuff again. Because, you know, if I listen another time, I'm a different person. I've changed since the last time I listened. Mm-hmm. And so I know I'll take it, take it to heart in a new way. And some of the ideas will seep in with new understanding. But new understanding is not the same thing as learning. It's just I understand it differently, and I put it back on the mental shelf a little bit differently. Um, and I know one of the things he talked about was, you know, he goes out, he starts every morning very, in a very physical way, you know, um, walking or running or whatever he does. He's, you know, 15 minutes, and he has certain exercises that, mental exercises that he does during those first 15 minutes of whatever he's doing. And so I remember saying, okay. I've resisted this forever and ever, and I'm just going to do it. I'm open to experiencing what he's talking about to see if it has any relevance for me. Okay. And so I, it included walking first thing in the morning. So the very first day I do it, it was in November, and it was literally 33 degrees. One, one degree above freezing. <laughs> that, that, that's fairly cold. Was there wind? Yes. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, and it was wind. It was a biting cold. Ah, yes. And okay. I had, when I get committed to something, nothing stops me. So I went, all right, I guess I'm just going to wear warmer clothes. And I went out, and it was cold and blistery, like against the, the wind against the face. And I started doing what he said to do. And that first day, after 10 minutes, my body starts to warm up. And then I'm like, ooh, the cold actually feels kind of good. And um, But I could tell I wasn't. I hadn't learned anything yet. I was just trying to practice like, oh, yeah, what did he say I'm supposed to do for those first five minutes? And, you know, be grateful. What does that mean? And, you know, what am I supposed to be grateful for? And I'm just trying to gather ideas. So, you know, day two was still cold. And I did this day after day. And I would say by about two weeks, maybe, um, it was not as hard to get up in the morning. It was not as hard to go out in the cold. Some days were not as cold as others, so that was nice. And the 
the mental exercises that I was doing were coming easier. And so that I kind of liked it when it kind of hit a rhythm of ease. And I did this whole thing for about six weeks. Um, and I think what caused me to like skip a day was it was like torrential rain. That'll and I really didn't want, I didn't want to go out when it was really cold and torrential rain. I was like, no, this is really a day to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good day to draw a line. No doubt about it. But you know what I found fascinating is I did this for six weeks. Now, most people would say, well, but then you should have a habit in place and it should be a no brainer. And I was really enjoying the mental process of what I was doing. I was really enjoying how my body felt. But you know what? One day of torrential rains where I didn't do it was enough to derail the whole process. Yeah, I never really bought into the idea that you could you establish a habit after 30 days. I mean, it's possible, certainly, to establish a habit in that time frame. But in my experience, by 30 days, it's becoming familiar. It hasn't become habitual yet. Yeah. You have to do it a lot longer than that before it really becomes a habit. I mean, I'm but aware of it. But things you know. that I did, some of the things I did mentally, um, I found them to be nice, but I didn't find like, oh, I really learned that, you know, doing this grateful exercise every day really changes my life. Mm -hmm. the, honestly, the grateful piece didn't do it for me. And I mean, I know Oprah has her grateful, her gratefulness oh, journal. Yeah. Other people talk about gratefulness and I am not a person to poo poo that idea at all. That just wasn't something that really was uh, something that really made the difference for me. Um, but there were some things like part of the five minutes, because there were like three, three, five minute segments totaling 15 minutes. And one of them had to do with come up with a mantra, create a mantra that you'll like repeat for that entire five minute time. And the one, there's one that I came up with that I still, every now and then I go back to it because I really loved it. And I found that it really um, had a rhythmical thing when I was walking. And now that was something that I keep And here. It's been several years since then. Let's see, I wrote it down somewhere so I can repeat it whenever I want to easily. Um, is it this one here? Apparently it hasn't become so habitual that it's memorized. So that, that's a good point right there. Well, it's, you know what? I really, I purposely didn't want to go into my brain to look for it. I wanted to just look on a piece of paper. <laughs> okay. But it was something, it was, maybe I don't have it written down, but it's something like, um, everything I desire comes to me easily and effortlessly. Hmm. Everything I desire comes to me easily and effortlessly. See, that was in my brain. Okay. But I came up with that a couple of years ago. And so that was something that for five minutes, as I was walking to the rhythm of my walking, I'd say, I des everything I desire comes to me easily and effortlessly. And I will tell you, after that time period, things did start to come to me easily and effortlessly. So that piece worked. Well, yeah, I would that say. I mean, you it, know, it, not only did it. I mean, I think what you've just described is a good example, a really good example, of what happens when you are establishing a habit, and as you establish that habit over time, you are also simultaneously programming your mind, and mm -hmm. so you basically developed a habit of a programming, which was kind of a cool thing, especially since it was a good kind of programming, because you can also do it with bad programming, but. Um, the fact that you had this really good little program going on led you to feel like, wow, life is easier. This is good. And so it was. Well, and so, you know, our, the thing that we've just read is all about how words don't teach, but life experience does. And there's an example. Yep. And I was taking Tony Robbins' words and wanting to put it in practice to see if I could create that in a way that it would be my life experience where I would do this stuff every day. And what I found is I, 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 did, I was not successful in replicating what works for him. And I think that's exactly what I learned. That's what worked for him. Mm, okay. I know it works for many other people. As a matter of fact, I read something the other day that said most successful people start with a morning routine of some kind of physical activity. 
Hmm, well, I consider myself a successful person, but I don't start with a physical activity in the morning. Oh, as a matter of fact, I've always started with a mental activity. Okay. I, mean, I can remember back to um, junior high where we had different classes. You know, it's like in elementary school, you're told you're going from this. We're all moving from reading to writing to arithmetic, whatever. But junior high for me was when you leave a classroom and you go somewhere else and everybody was doing something at a different time. But we got to select what classes we wanted and which periods they were going to fall in. Okay. And this had always been my habit ever since junior high. I considered all of the mental classes like algebra, science, uh, reading, those – those to me are mental classes where like home ec and gym were not. Okay. Those were more creative classes. I always took my mental classes in the morning. Did that all the way through high school. Always took my mental classes in the morning. So I would be mentally attuned in the morning. And then I, I then my body started getting more ready to like, I couldn't, Oh my God, if I had gym first period, that would kill me. I almost always had gym like one of my last two classes of the day. Really? Because that's when my body was ready to be engaged. It wasn't mm. ready in the morning. Okay. You know, and so for me, it's kind of like, okay, Tony, I, I love you. I tried my best to do what you do, but you know what? I don't think me and my body and my brain are cut out for his system. Well, it makes sense it to me. I mean, because I, I honestly think that there is no such thing as a process or a system that is for everybody. I think that different people react well to different processes, different systems. And I can point to my own experiences as a great example of that because a lot of the things people like to do, like vision boards, vision boards don't do anything for me. I mean, I, I can't even engage in them. <laughs> they're just so boring to me. But there are people who mm -hmm. just swear by them, you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas for me, when I first tried doing mirror exercises, I did it with a tremendous degree of skepticism. And boom, it really started to work. I started to feel stuff in like 10 to 15 days, which was a new experience for me to have a, a process that somebody else came up with really produce a result for me. Uh, meditation, that was another one. Typical meditation, the way meditation is normally done, never worked for me, never useful for me. I, I could never get anything out of it until one day here on one of the podcasts, I don't remember who I was doing it with, somebody said something, one, one of the co-hosts said something that clicked in my mind. And what clicked was meditation doesn't have to be done sitting down quietly. And the reason that clicked is I have a long-standing habit that I've been doing ever since I can remember, which is that if something comes up and it kind of upsets me or uh, you know, it's something where I have a hard time dealing with it or digesting it or something like that, I'll get up from what I'm doing and I'll just start pacing around. I'll just walk and walk and walk until I kind of walk it off. Well, I think it was Cindy actually who pointed out to me, you were meditating. You were releasing resistances. You're releasing stresses. That's what meditation is. And I said, I never thought of it that way. So if I had to sit down and do meditation, forget it. It ain't going to work. Get me on my feet. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> I would say one of my greatest meditation spaces is driving in the car hmm. because I know if I'm going from uh, my home to a certain location, it's like that's programmed into my head. I turn on Abraham on a CD in my car and it's like, I just go. I don't, it's like, I know where I'm going and I don't have to think about it. And in a way that is me releasing resistance because I'm not worried about anything. And then I have Abraham in the background, which sometimes is like a lullaby. I may not even be hearing what they're saying or, or like <laughs> tuned into what they're saying, but all of a sudden there will be wonderful ideas just flowing through my understanding or I'll get new impulses to do things, which is totally what Abraham talks about is the results of meditation, which is where there's no more resistance and all of a sudden, new ideas just flow to you. And so, again, using the idea of post-manifestational, um, uh, the other word, post-manifestational evidence, 
is the very evidence that I'm receiving these very free flowing ideas lets me know, well, where I've just been is in a place of no resistance because new ideas are just flowing. It's a good indicator. Meditation. Yeah. Meditation can be in the car for me. Mm. Now, if you're really concerned about a business meeting and what you're going to say when you get there the whole time that you're driving, that's not meditation. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably not going to help you either. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I get the same result as meditation when I'm doing the dishes. Sometimes when I'm vacuuming the house. And so I'm totally with you. It's like, if, if the only place or the only way you can meditate is the way monks do it, sitting cross, you know, cross-legged, quiet, saying "Om," never going to happen for me. I've tried that, and my my mind is like all over the place. <laughs> Actually, you know where my mind is when I try to do that once and only once. It was on what? God. My legs are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not exactly conducive to the kind of effect you're trying to get from meditation. <laughs> well, have you ever heard of a technology called Holosync? I've heard of it. I don't really know anything about it. Okay. Well, to me, it fits into the meditation idea because that was when when I started using Holosync technology, that's when I started getting the results in a really fast way of people who do traditional meditation. Mm-hmm. And so I'll explain it in a nutshell for anybody who's interested. Um, you listen on headphones, and it has to be stereo. And you listen to the sound of, oh, like the first 30 minutes is kind of like chiming bells in the background with ocean. So it's just a very soothing, calming thing. Now, if you don't like that, this is not going to work for you. True. That is a sound that really I, I enjoy. Okay. Um, but there's a technology where the sound in the right ear and the sound in the left ear are slightly different. And there's a certain caliber that they have to be different, and I don't know what it is. But the brain will always take the the two different sounds, wavelengths, and will integrate them so that the brain will process it as the average of those two sound waves. And there's something about that happening, and based on what that sound wave is, that actually affects what I'm going to call the junk in our head, the stuff that kind of mucks up our brain pipelines, and it actually clears it out. And I listened to, I guess, my first set for about six to eight months, and I noticed that my life was moving smoother. I was having more synchronicity. And then when I felt like, there weren't any new changes. I got my second set. And by the time you go to the second set, you can actually embed your own affirmations, which I like that. Um, And so I listen to them. And I will tell you that I feel so peaceful and so calm and centered after I've listened to whether I, I do 30 minutes or an hour, I feel different. I feel changed. Like I feel ready to take on the world. It's like the deepest sleep without going to sleep. And yet sometimes I do go to sleep. And even though the uh, creator of it says it's not recommended that you go to sleep, but only your experience will tell you if it's okay, I sleep most of the time. But it's the deepest sleep, deeper than when I go to sleep in my bed. And it's a technology that I've learned almost every prominent leader that we know listens to and uses on a regular basis. From the way you were describing it, Holosync almost sounds like what they call binaural beats. It is based on binaural beats, and it's been around it since binaural beats became popular. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Holosync is just a trademarked name. I got it. Okay. Yeah, but if anybody's interested, you go to Centerpoint, and I think point has an E on the end, centerpoint.com, and you okay. can get a free CD if you're interested in just checking it out. But I'm just not a traditional meditation kind of gal and when i heard about that i'm like oh yeah that sounds cool (laughs) and so a man named bill harris created it and interestingly he just passed away uh just a couple days ago and um in a beautiful way i mean he's an incredible 
metaphysical leader who's always been about helping people achieve more of who they want to be. And I love that he transitioned in his bed in a peaceful way. And, you know, I adore Bill Harris. I've learned so much from him. He's one of the gurus that, that I have followed for many, many years. And so the fact that he had developed this technology, I went, well, if he's saying it's pretty good, I'll give it a try. <laughs> and I've never been sorry. As a matter of fact, remember my story about how the tornado was coming my way and I talked to the tornado saying, slow your roll and move that way? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. That occurred in the midst of my second only, my second day of listening to Holosync. And I was at such incredible peace that even a tornado did not move me or shake me. That's pretty strong. So it's a pretty strong, strong thing. So, <laughs> And I'm glad that it works for you. I, I, I don't know that I've ever tried Holosync specifically. I've tried listening to binaural beats. All they do is give me a headache. So to me, I put that into the same category as vision boards. Like, you know, if it works for you, gotcha. great. Go ahead. <laughs> not me. That was too painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, it could be because, like, you're such an audio person. Mm. It could be that that kind of audio thing doesn't flow for you. But oh, audio doesn't. is like my my lowest modality that I mm. use, and yet that's something that totally worked for me. Oh, yeah. That, 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 that definitely would not work and couldn't work for the very reason you're giving because, I mean, all I have to do is hear like somebody singing and they're slightly off key or their musical instrument isn't tuned perfectly, and I just cringe. I mean, it's mm. like... It, it's like the fingernails on the blackboard thing, right? That's the way it feels to me whenever mm. I hear something that's out it's of the tune. It's the I tune out sound. Yeah. So that yeah. might be why having that exactly. in my ears is like no big deal because I tune it out. And yet the very sounds that my ears are receiving mm -hmm. is what's processing all sorts of stuff for me. And so to me, it's like, oh, yeah. It's kind of like going and having a massage. It's like I can fall asleep during a massage, but I get the great benefits of them doing it. Mm -hmm. I like that kind of thing. That's the ultimate two for one. <laughs> well, I could see that. That would be fine by me. I mean, I, I, I've had one professional massage one time and I had to do everything in my power to keep from falling asleep on the table because <laughs> it was that comfortable. <laughs> it felt that good. And I, I am very, I mean, if, if sound is my number one sense, touch is definitely my number two. So yeah, all they had to do was put some really nice music on in the background. It would have been even better, but heck, it was still good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we have about uh, two and a half minutes left. I just wanted to remind people that the book is coming out. Uh, I believe we're going to formalize when you can get the link uh, probably by the first of this coming week, the, the beginning of the week. And once that is formalized, you're going to be able to find the link right on our website, uh, at LOAToday.net, and that's the link you'll use during the freebie distribution of the ebook, which will be over Memorial Day weekend starting May 25th, 2018, through May 28th, the following Monday. So uh, you want to kind of keep aware that that's the time to start looking on the website because you're going to see that link so you can get your free copy of the ebook. Oh, and also something we haven't talked about in a while subscribe. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do. I mean, most of our listeners are subscribers. We know that from the way the numbers show it to us. But if you're a newbie and you've only listened to this show or maybe one or two other shows, take the time. It's right there on the homepage, LOAToday.net. And it's so simple. The description is there. The instructions are there. Very, very simple. And more social media icons than you could possibly shake a stick at are there also. So once you've subscribed, please share and let your friends know about it. So we got about uh, 30 seconds left. Do you want to uh, – oh, actually, here, we, I don't do this with you often enough. Wendy, if somebody wants to reach out to you – of course, your answer is always 10 <laughs> seconds long. But if somebody wants to reach out to you, how do they reach out to you? Well, I'll, I'll make this longer. Oh, okay. WendyDillard.com, W-E-N-D-Y-D-I-L-L-A-R-D.com. There you go. Did I make it longer? <laughs> yeah, that was. I think you made it up 12 seconds. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> WendyDillard.com. That's the simplicity of it. <laughs> All right. Wendy, it's been a pleasure. We'll do it again tomorrow. I'll be here. I will be here as well. We hope you join us too here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye for now.